0: Matthew chapter six verses five through thirteen. And it reads, "And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thanks, Carl. Um, I just want to pray as well. There's been lots of prayer this morning already, and that's fantastic. But I just want to pray as well as we come to to God's word. And I, I don't, it might be just me, and I'll, I'll just pray for me if that's the case. But I just sense a bit of a, a distraction in our hearts and minds this morning as as. Uh, uh, as we've worked through this morning. And, and so I just want to pray um, and, and just take a moment to pause and as the psalm says, be still and know that God is God. And, and um, I don't want this time in God's Word to be robbed um, from thinking about um, things other than what God has to teach us this morning. So um, if you're uh, in that headspace at all, then pray along with me and, I, and otherwise I'll just pray for myself this morning. So, mm. And so Father, we just want to come and be still before you now. As it says in Philippians, whatever uh, causes anxiety to to bring before you. And so, Father, we just bring before you anything that's causing us distraction or worry or anxiety now so that we would be uh, filled with peace and ready to learn from your word and your spirit this morning. So Father, we pray that your your word would teach us this morning that your spirit would make alive these words, and that you would uh, you would refresh us, renew us, and transform us this morning by your word in Jesus' name we pray amen um, so over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to be talking uh, about prayer. And, and I want to begin with a confession, in fact. And, and and that confession is that for a long time, our prayer time in our Sunday morning gatherings was my least favorite part of our time together. Um, uh, there's There's some sense in which I, you know... Church isn't about a performance or a show, but there, there's some sense in which I kind of uh, I would feel like this is the least glitzy part, the least not that we're overly glitzy here, but the least kind of production flow part of our of our Sunday mornings. But there's there's one reason I haven't kind of axed it from our Sunday morning run sheet, and and have grown to appreciate it more and more that time just that, that, that time to pause for a moment together in prayer is because prayer is, is central to who we are as Christians. And so as much as I've kind of thought, oh, it just it seems a bit clunky however we do it, I, I've refused to remove it from our run sheet because what would it look like to be a church that want and wanted to remove prayer from their time together? What would I be saying as a pastor if I said, well, prayer just doesn't fit in our, our flow, it doesn't flow well together, so we'll just take it out. Um, and so I say that as a confession. I love prayer, but, but, but in our Sunday mornings, I have found that a bit difficult. But, but the reason I've stuck with it is because it's so important to who we are as Christians. And so I, I want to talk over prayer for the next few weeks, so a few quotes on prayer. And so this is a quote from, from Martin Luther, who was one of the key figures in the, the Reformation um, over 500 years ago. There's some celebrations of, of the 500-year anniversary of the Reformation. But anyway, Martin Luther said this, as it is the business of tailors to make clothes and the business of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. And so Martin Luther kind of touched on this, that, that praying is our business as Christians. It's central to who we are. I couldn't find the quote, but I've read elsewhere that someone says to, to pr- be Christian is to pray. It's As oxygen to being human, praying is to being Christian. Uh, the apostle Paul said this in Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen. He says, "Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests." So, pray in the spirit on all occasions. Uh, with this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. In 1 Thessalonians 5:17, uh, he said this. It says in the NIV translation, "Pray continually." Or the New Living Translation translates it this way: "Never stop praying." Uh, Martin Luther also said this about prayer. He said, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Okay, I confess that I do not spend three hours daily in prayer, but maybe I would get about my business a little bit better um, if I did. Uh, to quote another great man of God, um, Samson Barber, my two-year-old son, um, so this is at the opposite end of the prayer spectrum. Well, the opposite end would be to not pray at all. But, but this is Samson's prayer. Whenever we say, who wants to say grace? Samson says, I, I do, I do, I do. And this is Samson's prayer. Dear God, amen. Um, which is great for a two-year-old. Um, and I'm, and you know, I'm excited that he at least has that grasp of where we're addressing God. Um, I'm trying to squeeze in a thank you for the food or something in between dear God and amen. Amen. Um, but it's the other end of the spectrum, to three hours of prayer a day. And the reason I quote uh, Samson Barber is, is that sometimes, some of us, we feel like we're toddlers when it comes to prayer. And so as we explore this, this series on prayer uh, over the next few weeks, I want to begin by asking you this question: Do you feel like a toddler when it comes to prayer? How is your prayer life actually going? How satisfied are you with it? Is it life-giving? Is it vibrant? Is it enjoyable? Is it something that uh, passion stirs within you? Or does it feel like something you've just got to do? Or you should do? Or that you want to get out of the way as quickly as possible? And so this series on, on prayer is to address uh, really a desire to grow in prayer. It's not saying you're doing it wrong, but it's saying that we want to grow in it. And so sometimes to grow in things, we need to relearn. And so uh, throughout this series, this, just over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about relearning how to pray. Relearning from Jesus how we should pray and i 'll be a fellow learner alongside you, Jesus is the expert here, not me and we 'll be journeying through this together. When I think about relearning i 'm not a golfer, but I remember hearing um, uh, someone talking about uh, they were they were trying to get their handicap in golf below. Um, you know below two or three so they were obviously a pretty good golfer if they could get around a whole golf course and only be two or three above par but they wanted to to get down to zero that was their their golfing goal and they couldn't get there and so they went to a golf coach um, to to uh, learn a bit more about golf and that golf coach said well you'll never get to zero with that swing you know so your golf swing you hit it And he said you'll never get to zero with that so he had to relearn, he was a, a really good golfer, but he had to relearn how to swing a golf club, the most basic element of golf, in order to improve his game. What happened first was his, his um, handicap went up to 10 or something like that because he had to relearn a different way of doing things but eventually his new relearned way of doing things led him to be a better golfer than he was before. And so this isn't about, you're bad at prayer, so you need to learn how to do it. This is about us together going, well, we want to grow. So let's go back to basics and relearn our swing. And so we're going to be talking about relearning how to pray. And, and in fact, Jesus' disciples had to relearn how to pray. They didn't just learn how to pray from Jesus, they actually relearned. They they were all um, not rabbis or anything like that. They were fishermen and that, but they were faithful Jews, most of them. And so they would have learnt the the prayers of Jewish life. Most of them would have uh, attended synagogue at least semi-regularly, somewhat regularly. And so that was a, a, a liturgical prayer session together in community. So the disciples of Jesus would have known how to pray Yet they still come to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, which is this is the introduction in Luke's gospel to uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer, what, what um, uh, Carl read for us this morning from Matthew. And, and this is how we get there in Luke's gospel. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so it's not that they didn't know how to pray, but they saw something different about the life of Jesus in prayer and and they saw that there was something to learn there, to relearn about how Jesus prayed. And so it wasn't their belief of, well, I know how to pray. I've been to synagogue since I was a little boy and, and I know how to pray and, 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 and so Jesus does it a little bit differently, but this is my way. They saw that Jesus had a vibrancy and a vitality and a, an intimacy in their prayer life and so they said to Jesus, can you teach us? They, they put themselves in the place of relearning how to pray like Jesus. And they had to relearn how to pray because Jesus ushered in a new relationship with God. And so a new relationship with God requires a new way of praying. And so Jesus, back into Matthew's Gospel then, says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And so Jesus taught his disciples a model for prayer. Notice he says this then is how you should pray, not this then is what you should pray. Jesus is not suggesting that his disciples should just adapt these take these words and recite them at rote then they would end up doing exactly the same thing that that he said we shouldn't pray just like the pagans who go on and on and on with with meaningless words these words are not a what to pray but a how to pray and so this prayer this prayer of jesus the the lord's prayer we often call it but in commentaries i'll say a few different commentaries say it should be called the disciples prayer because it's not what jesus prayed it's the prayer that jesus taught the disciples it's the prayer that we will be learning from over the next three weeks we, we're going to take this prayer that jesus taught his disciples and and pull it apart and use it as a model of how we as disciples of jesus should pray much as the disciples needed to relearn how to pray, I believe that we need to relearn how to pray. It may be just me, but, but I don't think so. That The truth is much of our prayer is focused on our own needs and our own desires. Much of our prayer is triggered by a need for something. Be that a parking place or world peace. Be that uh, a meal or financial provision, uh, much of my own prayer, I have to confess, is, is at least triggered and mostly about what do I feel I need God to give me, do for me, establish in my life. And so, it's, uh, this may be just a series for me, and, and, and I've already been learning a lot as I've been studying this. But, but if you're anything like that, then I encourage you just to, you know, I don't think Jesus intended it to be looked at this way, but I've highlighted all the words in this passage that are about, in this prayer that Jesus modeled for us, that are about us praying for things that we need. One line. If you you add up all the words and divide it, it's actually 11.5% of the model prayer that Jesus taught is focused on asking God for things that we need. It's certainly not the first thing mentioned in the prayer. It certainly doesn't read as the top priority in the prayer. And and so I would suggest that, that my own prayer life and anyone who's like me, that your prayer life is stunted to some degree because it's focused is and it's triggered by what we want or need from God. And so relearning how to pray is about our prayer lives becoming much more vibrant and empowering and life-giving and powerful and effective. It's not about condemning the way we we pray now, but it's about growing to a more fruitful place. And so if prayer doesn't begin and and focus on what we need from God, then, then where does it begin? Well, for Jesus, it begins with These words, our Father in heaven. Jesus begins his prayer model with these words, our Father in heaven. And so what what this demonstrates for us is that for Jesus, prayer isn't primarily about what we need or what we want or or the changes we want to see take place in our own life that are about our desires. Prayer is primarily about relationship with God. Prayer is primarily about intimacy with God and aligning ourselves in that relationship. And so prayer begins not with what we want or need, but but with that alignment of relationship with God. These first few words speak about who God is. He is our Father. The, this address to God speaks of a personal and intimate relationship. It it. It speaks of one who cares for us and is personally concerned for us. It speaks of one who loves us. See, sometimes this this sense of calling God Father is lost on us 2,000 years after Jesus, but for Jesus' first disciples, the idea of calling God our Father was a familiarity and intimacy with God that they had not previously engaged in. And so Jesus is saying that your prayer begins with acknowledging God as your Father. Intimate and close, but he's not just your Father, he's your Father in in heaven. Which this isn't speaking about necessarily a location, it's speaking about one who is almighty and transcendent. It's speaking about one who's not impotent, but potent and powerful. It's not here talking about God's distance from us, but his power and authority. And so in these few words, we're talking about entering into a conversation with one who loves you, cares for you, is close to you, who is your father, but is also the most powerful being in all the universe. our Father in heaven. It also speaks of who we are in relationship to him because if he is our Father, then we are his children. And it's not just my Father, it's Jesus teaches his disciples to pray our Father. And so it speaks of who we are in community together as followers of Jesus in relationship to one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so these simple words that Jesus begins his prayer with orient us in relationship with him to who he is and to who we are with him. Our relationship with God is reflected in the way in which we pray. And so Jesus invites us not to pray to a God who's distant and abstract and unknowable. He teaches us to pray to our Father. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul talks about the relationship that we have with God now because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And it says, And because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And so when we pray to God as our Father in intimacy, then we are praying in alignment with the Holy Spirit within us that's, that's causing us to call out from within us, Our Father. We're working with the Spirit in prayer. And and Paul goes on to say, So you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're a child, God has made you also an heir. We are heirs as God's children to the riches of his kingdom. And so we shouldn't come to prayer as if we're submitting an acquisition form or petition to a detached boss somewhere in an office. We shouldn't come to prayer as if we're filling out a Centrelink form. And whoever's experienced that process, I'm deeply sorry for you. It's traumatic. We shouldn't come to prayer like we're submitting a CV. Like, like we're, we're, we've got this detached piece of paper and we come to God and go, please hear that and I hope it turns out okay. And we, and we wait months and months to to hear a response from the head office. This isn't the approach that we should have to prayer. Jesus' Jesus model invites us to participate fully in an intimate relationship with the Almighty Creator God as our Father. Let me just say that again. Jesus' model for prayer invites us to participate fully in an intimate relationship with the Almighty Creator God as our Father. So therefore we begin in prayer by aligning ourselves with God, with who he is, with who we are in relationship to him. We are his children, he is our father. So prayer begins with connection because prayer is primarily about relationship with God. And so before we move on to the, the next thing that we can learn from, from this prayer that Jesus taught as a model, I, I just want to pause and pray together in connection, in relationship with the Father. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to pause for a moment. And this is your opportunity to, to either in your heart or if you're feeling um, bold out loud, but your opportunity just to connect in relationship with God as your Father and for you to come into alignment in relationship with him as his child. And so I'm going to pray, and then you'll have a moment in your own, just a few seconds, just to to practice praying. And so, our Father in heaven, we thank you for all that is contained in those words. Help us to come in prayer in intimate relationship with you help us to hear the voice of the spirit within us crying out that we are your children and that you are our father i pray that prayer would be empowered in our life that leads us towards relationship and connection with you and so just take a moment now to to connect in your heart, in relationship with God as your Father. For some people, for for various reasons, be it an earthly father-related reason or other reasons, coming to God as Father is, is a challenge. And so I just encourage you now to to just simply bring that reason to God and say, I struggle because of this and just just present that before him and say, I want to know you more as my father. Can you help me with this? Amen. And so Jesus' model for prayer begins with these words, our Father in heaven. And so this teaches us that prayer is primarily about relationship with God and and then Jesus goes on to say, hallowed be your name. And so after beginning in, in connecting and relationship, Jesus taught his disciples to turn to worship. And so our prayers should be filled with worship. This word hallowed in Greek is hagiestheto, which means holy, being set apart or being kept holy. And so it's not that that, that God is ever not holy, but, but it's about His name being made holy in our community. His name being kept holy in our lives. His name being glorified as holy in the way it should be. And so just to help us... because Who who has heard the word hallowed in general conversation in the last few weeks? The the only context, not in the last few weeks, but the only context I can think of where we use this word in life is, you know, like the the cricket ground at Lords is sometimes referred to as the hallowed turf. And and that's saying there's something special about that grass. And so it's not a word that we kind of identify with. And so I just wanted to kind of list a few synonyms for hallowed so we can kind of grasp what Jesus is saying we should do with God's name in prayer. And so some synonyms are holy, as I've already mentioned, sacred, anointed, blessed, divine, enshrined, honored, sanctified, sacrosanct, unprofane. And so when we talk about, when Jesus talks about hallowing the name of God, he's saying, treat it as holy, treat it as sacred, treat it as anointed, treat it as blessed, treat it as divine, treat it as something that's enshrined and glorified, treat it as honored, treat it as sanctified, treat it as sacrosanct, do not profane it. And so Jesus is saying that honoring the name of God in this way is something that should be at the heart of the way we pray. And so honoring the name of God in this way is, is simply to worship in prayer. Honoring the name of God in worship is the very heart of prayer throughout the Scriptures. Just to pluck one example of, of many... Um, from the Psalms 103 verses 1 and 2, which goes on and on and on in, in, in praise, in an act of prayer, but it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And, and so the psalmist had this grasp of, of, some of them were songs, but some of them were simply just prayers of of being able to engage in prayer with words of worship. And so sometimes we uh, might come to a prayer time, and if you said this in our recent prayer time, please don't hear this as a criticism because I've said this, but, but sometimes we'll come to a prayer time and say, oh, I don't really have anything to pray for. I don't have anything to, to pray about. Life's good. And so that's reducing our prayers down to the 11%. To the one line. Whereas we shouldn't ever come to prayer just because we have something to... We shouldn't come to prayer, sorry, only when we have something we need or want, a desire in our life. Prayer should be a response to who God is. If we take Jesus' model for prayer as the model for our own prayers, then then we should be much more focused on who God is in prayer and much, much less focused on our own needs we should never have a time where there's nothing to pray about because god is worthy of praise in every season in every moment and so i found this challenging as i've been exploring this week of 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 what does it look like for me to to never stop praying to pray without ceasing to be praying at all times on all kinds of occasions with all kinds of different prayer but for that to be primarily focused on worshiping god and not what's going on in my circumstances around me. Because in life, if we allow our our problems or our circumstances or our situation to get bigger than God is, then that's a minefield for anxiety. And so in our lives, who God is must always be bigger in our mind than the problems we face or the circumstances we're in. God must always be bigger in our minds because He always is bigger. He's more than able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, and so that needs to be reflected in the way that we pray. Our prayers need to be much more about glorifying the name of God and who He is than, than simply just coming to God to ask for stuff. So I've been challenged this week, as I've been just kind of thinking about my own message, just to spend more time simply praising the name of God in my own private prayers. And this, you know, you can sing if you want. Um, it's great to put some worship music on and sing along to it, but, but, but just to simply take some time just to go, Jesus, you are good. You are great. You are holy. Just to, to praise his name in prayer. And you know what that's done for me is that makes my perspective of God in my life bigger than the things that are around me. It's actually... It's, it's right to praise God, but it, it shifts my perspective on the world. And so the, the question I challenged myself with earlier in the week and, and the one I want to ask you now is how much time do we take or do you and I take to simply honour and praise the name of God in prayer? And I'm not talking prayer in our church gatherings. I'm talking in your own personal prayer times. How much time do you take in prayer simply to worship? Now, I would hope there's some of us here that would, would say quite a lot. Other of us might say, well, I've never really done that. And the beauty of this is that there is never a time where there's nothing to pray about, as I've already said. We can pray to our heart's content because there's always something about God to praise. God will always be worthy of praise. And so once again, before we move on to the next thing that Jesus teaches us about prayer, I just want to simply pause for a moment and pray, but then to give you a moment in your, in your own space, as I said before, either in your heart or out loud, to just, just take a moment to praise God in prayer. Not because there'll be words on a screen that are leading you in what to say, as, as, as great as that is and helpful as we worship together, but simply because God is good and worthy of praise and His name is to be hallowed in prayer. And so I'm just going to lead us, as I said, and then you'll have a moment to, in your own place to to practice. And so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be praised and glorified in my life, in this church, in this town. You are a great and almighty God. You are loving, you are faithful, you are patient, you are kind. You are immeasurably better than my mind can comprehend. And so I praise your name with my lips and in my heart. You have created me, you have redeemed my life from the pit. You have set my feet on solid ground in the name of Jesus, and I give you glory. And So just take a moment now, just to whatever comes into your heart that you want to praise in prayer about God, just take a moment to hallow the name of God, to treat it as holy and divine. And so if that's something that you struggle with. I encourage you to just dig into the psalms. Find a find a psalm, Psalm one hundred and three that I read before is a great one for, for learning to praise the name of God in prayer, but but there's lots of psalms that are filled with lament and praise at the same time, and there's lots of psalms that are filled with outright praise and, and so if you if you struggle with the language of praise without uh, songs on words on a screen, then I encourage you to just dig in the psalms. Find some words in the Psalms that that connect with what you want to say before God and and just pray them to Him, to to, to launch from that place. And so prayer is primarily about relationship with God as Father and us as His children. Our prayers should be filled with with worship. And the next thing that Jesus moves to is still not, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that I really need, God. God. His his next words, that he teaches us to pray to God our Father is this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this teaches us that our prayer should be focused on God's will before our own will. This teaches us that our prayer should be focused on his kingdom, not our own personal kingdoms. God's rule and reign is absolute. And so Jesus teaches us to pray to see it manifest in our own lives, to see that manifest in the world around us through us. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that his kingdom would come. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that his will would be done. And so prayer is not the means of bending God to our desires but of aligning ourselves with his let me say that again prayer is not the means of bending God to our own desires but of aligning ourselves with his your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so the 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 Greek word for earth here is ges g-e-s would be the transliteration of that. And so the definition of that word, though, is the earth, as we've got it translated um, in our Bibles for us. But it also means the soil, the land, the, the territorial region, the country, the inhabitants of that region. And so it's not just, may your will be done, may your kingdom come on this planet as it is in heaven. It's praying that God's will that his rule and reign would be as completely manifest on the earth, the very soil, the land in our country, in this region in which we live, in the inhabitants of this region, as fully and completely as his rule and reign and will are manifest in heaven. This prayer is that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in every person, on every grain of sand, in every molecule of oxygen that exists in the world around us. There's a, there's a tangible nature to this, this word guess that encompasses everything that we see around us, not just this planet in an abstract global sense. It, it's the big, the small, and everything in between. And so this prayer is a prayer of aligning ourselves with God's reign and with God's will, but it's, it's also a prayer for the complete transformation of the earth to bring it into alignment with God's will as well. It's a prayer that our families would be transformed just as we would be transformed. It's a prayer that our village, our town, would be transformed in accordance with God's will just as we pray that we would be transformed in accordance with God's will. It's a prayer that our our nation, our planet, uh, the inhabitants of it would be transformed in every single way to, to alignment with God's plans and purposes in His reign. And so Jesus... In a, in a very, oh sorry, I've, before we get to Jesus, um, I uh, have followed an Instagram account called Christian Memes Bro, um, which you know shows how cool I am. Um, for those who I've completely lost in that previous sentence, Instagram is a websitey thingy that has pictures on it, um, and uh, a meme is a picture with words on it. But anyway, So I saw this picture the other day of, of, a, of, a, of a guy. We can have a closer look at the picture. He's giving her a death stare because um, they're in prayer together. And his prayer is, Lord, bless us today. Um, her prayer is, Lord, mold us, sanctify us holy, Thy will be done. Um, and the comment down the bottom, which you can't see, is, Our great Teresa, there goes our comfortable Christianity. And so we'd much prefer to comfortably pray, just bless me, Lord, bless me. And it's okay to pray that, but Jesus taught us first to pray that his will would be done. And you know what? Jesus knew how tough a choice that prayer could be in his own life. This was his prayer on the night he was betrayed, before he was tortured and sacrificed, um, murdered on the cross. Mocked and ridiculed, treated as everything but hallowed. Knowing that was to come, this was his prayer. In Matthew 26:39, he said, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. This cup's referring to all that is to come for him. The physical and spiritual suffering that he was about to face. May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus, like a good coach, didn't ask his players to do anything he wouldn't do himself. And so uh, this line in Jesus' model prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is a picture of glorious renewal of the earth, but it's also a picture of us choosing to walk God's plan for our life over our own. It's a picture of us choosing to embrace God's will, no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable that may be over choosing simply to desire God to bless us. So the challenging question for us when we consider this, this model for prayer is, is our own prayer more focused on our own personal kingdoms our own influence in the world, our own wealth, our own building up of whatever we want to build up? Is our prayer more focused on our own personal kingdoms and our own personal desires, or is it more focused on God's kingdom and His will? Our prayer should be focused on God's will and His kingdom before our own. And that is the pathway to, vital, to vibrancy, to, to life, to pleasure and passion in prayer. And so as with the other ones, and this is the last point we're making today, is I want to just take a moment to, to lead us in prayer and take a moment for you, um, if it's what you want to pray for you to to pray with your Father in heaven that you want to put his will first, you want to put his kingdom first and, and pray that it would be done first in your life and then through you to the lives of those around you. And so let me pray. And then you'll have a moment to pray in your own space. And So our Father in heaven, we pray that your name would be hallowed and we prayed that your kingdom would come in fullness in our lives, in the lives of those around us in this town. We pray that this region of Australia and this country and indeed this entire planet would be brought into alignment with your rule and your reign. And Father, we pray that your will would be done firstly in our own lives. And then through us that we would see your will done in an increasing manifest way in the world around us. But first, Father, we do say, may your will be done in our life. We set aside our own will and desires to embrace your own. And So just take a moment now in your own space and own thoughts and words just to to pray that kind of prayer with God if that's what you want to do. Jesus' name, amen. And so the next line in Jesus' prayer model is, give us today our daily bread. And so next week we're going to focus just on that line, give us today our daily bread. We're going to focus on talking to God and asking Him about provision for the things we need in life. Uh, But this week, this first half of this model prayer that Jesus taught is is about bringing ourselves into a place, into a context in which we're in relationship with God as Father, in which we're worshipping Him, in which we're putting His will before our own. And it's in that context that Jesus invites us to present our requests to God. And so if we're putting it together... Prayer is primarily about relationship with God, not just asking for stuff. Prayer is and should be filled with worship. Our our prayer should also focus on God's will before our own. And and so... this might be like a golfer who swung a certain way with his club all his life and, and comes to a place of where swinging it any differently feels really awkward. This, this might feel like a real kind of challenging shift for our prayers and it might feel a little bit more clunky than the way we're, we've built a habit of praying. It might feel a little bit less intimate. Perhaps because we're used to just coming into god's presence in a certain way and, and and so it might feel less full and vibrant but but I'm confident that Jesus knows a thing or two about prayer I'm confident though though we, we we get lots of lines in in the Gospels that say, and Jesus often withdrew to pray we've only got really in john's gospel in a couple chapters an actual transcript of jesus' prayers but I'm confident that the disciples that came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, saw something in his knowledge about prayer that they wanted to grasp for their own life. And and so, though it might feel a little bit clunkier and less natural to start off with, I'm confident that if we embrace these as the first three priorities in our prayer life, that we will see our prayer life grow to be a much more vibrant, life-giving life giving Thing in our life, to be a much more powerful and effective um, practice in our life. And so what it takes to transform the the new awkward golf swing into something that sees you hitting the ball further than ever is practice and intentionality. You, you can't simply as a golfer be told, we'll swing the club differently and then go oh okay, and start hitting it further. You have to practice that new way, and you have to be intentional about ensuring that it's the new way. And so I encourage you this week to, to simply practice connecting with God in relationship, to simply practice praising God in prayer, to simply practice saying, God, I want to put your will first in my life. I want to see your will come into the world around me. I want to see your kingdom's rule established. Just, just practice doing that intentionally. And um, the worship team can start coming up. But what I do want to say is don't stop praying the way you've always prayed as well. This is not about it's not okay to pray. Oh God, I really need a car space. I'm running late. This is not about it's not okay to be prompted into prayer by something that you need. So don't stop doing that. Use that trigger to lead you into prayer but while you're there just spend some time connecting with god as your father spend some time worshiping him even if it's just a line god you're really good i really need a car park today spend some time focusing on his desire for your life and for the world around you don't stop praying paul says never stop praying but just practice and be intentional about trying to include these priorities into that prayer life. There's no wrong way to pray, there's just more powerful, life-giving, effective ways to pray. Um, And so let's finish in worship and I'm just going to read this first half of um, of, um, the Lord's Prayer as our closing prayer. And then let's just worship him. And so I pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.